everyone, it's Lou Rosenfeld, and welcome to another installation of the Rosenfeld Review Podcast Series. And I'm really pleased today to have Andy Budd, uh, founder and managing director of Clear Left over in Brighton, UK. Hey, Andy, how are you? I'm really, really good, Lou. Um, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. So thanks for having me on your podcast. Great to have you. And uh, um, one of the things that um, you and I are both doing quite a bit of these days, I mean, you for many years now, is we are in the uh, user experience related conference business. Uh, you're That's doing right. UX London in a week. And what number or what edition of UX London are you up to now? Um, I, I can't quite believe it. I was looking back and counting the other day, and this will be our eighth UX London. Fantastic. Wow. And you're launching something new this year, right? We are, yeah. Um, I guess we, we, started, we started UX London basically because um, back in sort of 2000 and, and sort of eight now, I think, um, because the UX industry was still relatively early days in the UK, you know, it was a little bit more developed in the US and I was coming over and coming to conferences like the IA Summit and, and wanting to see something similar happen in the UK. So when we started UX London way back in 2008, it was still quite a, um, an immature field, I would say, and it was mostly a field of practitioners. You jump ahead like eight years and the people that started coming to our event back in the day have now grown up with us and they've gone from being maybe junior or mid-level designers to senior designers to project leads to team leads to maybe heads of design or heads of UX. Some of the people that have, uh, you know, we've had long-term friendships um, with through UX London are now, um, you know, maybe even VPs of design. And so we realize that the, the industry is maturing and because of that, we thought it was time to start a new conference aimed at those people. So it's called Leading Design. Um, it's going to be happening in uh, um, uh, October, November, actually, I believe, um, in the UK. And it's aimed at people who are running design teams, who are in positions of leadership, um, or maybe their bosses, or maybe people that want to become design leaders. And it's really tackling the, the topic of how do you become a better design leader? Because as you all know, you know, a lot of people... Um, get into leadership because they love the practice and they've been trained practitioners for many, many years, but maybe have never run a team before, maybe have never had leadership training. And so we're going to dig into some of the issues around that and how to make you a better leader, how to structure your teams, how to, um, you know, sell design into a large organization, all those kind of, you know, great meaty topics. Well, you know, it's interesting. You you mentioned the IA Summit. I just got back from uh, number, I think it was 17 uh, a couple of days ago in Atlanta wow. uh, in the U.S. And yeah, I, I can't believe it. I, I was the chief programmer for the first couple and have had various roles in the summit uh, on and off ever since. Uh, now my, my uh, I've been consigned to uh, leading the polar bear runs with Peter Morville, which is just <laughs> fine by me. Uh, but I've seen a similar uh, evolution in the field, and you know we're doing Enterprise UX, the the second one of those in, in San Antonio in June uh, next month, uh, and um, see a similar transition. And and yeah, you know, I don't think these are exactly the same audience or the same context. Our event and, and your new one, but uh, we're definitely seeing this both in the the conference uh, world uh, as people quote grow up they they need different types of events we also see it in the uh, the book side uh, a lot of our books are more and more focused on people who are 
in product management roles or in management roles in a general sense. Uh, we, we, we still publish books that are how-to or, or um, very pragmatic, uh, especially around methods and, and techniques. But, you know, more and more we're seeing um, ways of thinking and ways of thinking together at an organizational level. You know, we're seeing the same type of thing in our editorial agenda. But I kind of was really resistant a couple of years ago to the idea of new UX conferences. I had a lot of people, including people on my own staff, say we should do it. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a natural fit in a way because if you're in the book business, you have the relationships and the curatorial function that should help you in putting together a program. Uh, I, but I, I don't know, I felt like two years ago we had reached peak UX conference. And, and then I got a, basically an offer we couldn't refuse uh, from folks uh, on, in the UX group at Rackspace to, to co-produce and they, they were willing to host the event. And, and I'm really glad they did that and I'm, I'm really enjoying being in the conference business, but it's hard. Um, and I still wonder, do we need more events? Uh, is it time for some of the older events to, to maybe go away? or to just be repackaged or reframed as, as more there for people starting off or who are still very new to the field. Mm. What do you think? I mean, I you know it's interesting for us because I don't think it's just peak UX events. I mean, uh, as Clear Left, we are a UX agency, but we also have a strong interest in UI design and also front-end development. And we've run a number of conferences in that space as well. And I think when we started, our very first conference, Deconstruct, was the second only ever web conference in the UK. And now, you know, when we ran it last September before sort of retiring it, um, there were probably a dozen conferences in the UK that week. Um, so there's been a massive explosion. Um, the problem is, I think, I think there are too many conferences, but I think the problem is there are too many generic conferences. So rather than people innovating and rather than um, people um, doing what you've done and, and picking a new underserved market, what people are doing, I think, are often replicating um, uh, existing conferences, but but maybe just making them more local. So it's like, well, I went to a really great conference in London, but I live in a small town outside London or a, even a big city. Let me do a, a local version of that. And so because of that, it kind of it's becoming regionalized, but a lot of the conferences are just kind of sort of generic. And if I look at a lot of the UX conferences that popped up in the States, that definitely is the feeling that I'm getting, is that there's not much unique about them. You look at the, the, the speaker list and the speakers are almost identical. Um, the only difference is that it happens to be in you know, a small mid-eastern town or a, a southern town rather than San Francisco and New York. And there's nothing wrong with that, but um, I think there's a lot of sort of copycat conferences there. And I think the, the reality is, I think also people get really excited about the idea of doing their own conference, but often, after doing a conference for two or three years, people get bored, people realize it's not a source of great wealth and riches and, and, and give up. So it does seem to be that the average conference length outside some of the older stalwarts, like you say, like yours and, and ours and the I Summit, is they last for three years and they disappear. Um, but there is something about the idea of newness and freshness that people are excited about. When a new conference starts, people really like the idea of going to something new that's never existed before. Even though the older conferences may be, you know, they'll be in a new city, they'll have a whole new lineup, they're still going to be very, very different, but it's the same brand. And so people like exploring and trying new things. But like I say, I've been to so many conferences recently and I've not even really known what the names were because they just felt like the conference I went to a week ago or two weeks ago, they're, they're, they're a little on the generic side. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I feel the same way. And again, I, I see this both from the conference production and, and publishing side of things. Um, I've seen too many of the same people. Mm. And uh, when we publish, we try to get first-timers as well as uh, people who may be more established authors. And when we put together a program, it's the same thing. We don't want to just have the, the known names. And even mm. when we do, we have to fight and I wonder if you feel the same way, but we have to fight those speakers pretty hard to get them to do something new. You know, if you're going to speak at Enterprise UX, you, you know, you're a famous speaker, you're a great speaker, but you can't necessarily give, and give a talk that doesn't really have much to do with the mm. themes of the event. And that's tough. Um, and, you know, it's funny. I, I mean, I, I sense uh, just a little bit of... Um, fatigue from you and that uh, you, you do these and then you, you it's easy after two, three years to start feeling like, what am I doing? I'm getting kind of tired of this. Uh, I mean, in your case, you, you've kept it up though and I admire that. I, I've felt the same way. I feel kind of torn, to be honest. Uh, I, I, it's a real battle to fight, uh, to have a really strong program uh, and to find new voices and to wrestle those, uh, th those uh, very famous people to do what you want them to do. On the other hand, I don't know if um, if you just fall back into doing the same thing every year and not fighting, that's even worse. That's even more uh, damning and, and fatiguing, I think. I mean, I ultimately, I think, so, so what ends up happening, I think, with a lot of people that run new conferences is the first one they do is just, you know, it, they just pull it together out of nowhere and it's, it's all, you know, based on energy and connections and it's really fun. It's magic. And they do, it is magic, but they do everything wrong and they realise they've done everything wrong. So the second year is like, there's so much I want to do differently. So the second year is kind of sort of, you know, um, reinventing the conference and, and getting everything right that went wrong. And you get to that kind of like 80% and you start to kind of operationalize it. Um, and then you're like, well, that was fun. Let's replicate it. And then the third year, it's, it's very similar to the second year, but a few things get tweaked. And I think then it comes down to like what you're doing it for. I think a lot of people, sadly, are doing conferences partly because they think there's a lot of money in it, and as you and I know, there isn't. I think partly there's an element of kind of ego and brand building. And I think once you've run two or three events, the fourth one, the fifth one, the sixth one, the seventh one isn't going to increase your personal brand anymore. Right. And so I think a lot of people get bored of it. It's like, well, I've done that. I've got organized conference on my CV. Check that off. I've got a, a, a larger group of people that I know from speakers. I can go on and do something else. I think for us, for Clear Left, you know, we haven't been doing it for the money. We haven't been doing it for the brand. We've been doing it because part of our whole mission and remit as a company is to try and make the web a better place, to try and progress the digital design community. Um, and that's why we've, we always started, the three founders started blogging and, and talking publicly and sharing our knowledge. That's why we wrote books. That's why we speak at conferences. And that's why we run the conferences, because we are invested in the digital design community. We want to make it better. We believe that it has a huge amount of value to give humanity, that we can make people's lives better, that we can take pain and frustration away. And I want practitioners out there to do the best work they possibly can. And the providing conferences, a lot of it is kind of like, you know, and I don't know if this is, is how you run it as well, but when I'm curating a conference, I'm thinking about the, the, the hot topics that are coming up, but also I'm thinking about the, 
the things and the skills that I see that, that practitioners are lacking, that people in the market are, are struggling with, that clients are asking for. And so, you know, a couple of years ago, animation started getting really interesting. So we've been pushing animation as a, as a skill to try and upskill people, to get them to embrace animation, um, to use it in their, their daily craft. And there's lots of other kind of, you know, going back many, many years, there's a lot of other skills that we've kind of um, brought in. And so this has all been around what do we think the industry needs in order to make it better to, to, to excel, to do great work um, and to make people's lives happy and more meaningful. And so if the conference comes from, from that perspective, um, I think you, you tend not to get bored because the, the industry is constantly moving. As a, as a designer, you know that there's always things you can do to improve stuff, whether it's the conference itself and the conference experience or whether it's the, the skills of, uh, associated with the industry. So I can't imagine a time when the industry is so perfect that's reached this kind of nirvana platform that doesn't need to get better, that, doesn't require, that wouldn't require events like ours or yours or other people's. But I think, I think the conferences that I get bored of are the ones that are kind of generic kind of copycat conferences. And some of this comes into the skill of, of um, curation. And I think a lot of people don't really understand curation. I go to lots of conferences and I just, I sit during the day and I wonder, well, why have they chosen that person first and that person second and that person third when there's no link to their stories, whereas it just feels like it's sort of random talk after random talk. And then maybe uh, like the fourth person speaking and you think, well, that person's talking about stuff that was similar to the first person. Why didn't they match them up? Right. And that's what we try and do with our conferences. We try and create a narrative throughout the day. We try and make one talk build into the next, build into the next, so that people can come away and they feel like they've been told a story, that they feel like they've been taken on a journey and that one session builds on the other, rather than just a kind of a throwing a whole bunch of ideas against the wall and hoping some of them stick. And I think novice conference organisers organizers do the the, the the latter. I think they just they get a bunch of names, they get a bunch of talks that interest them, but they don't think about how they join together. And it's almost like um, having a bunch of vignette stories, kind of one after the other, rather than crafting a narrative that goes through a whole movie. And there's something really nice about going to an event where it does flow, and where it does feel like it's being considered, and where you come out realizing that the the organisers had a a message and a purpose and um, we're trying to communicate something rather than just ch chucking a whole bunch of people in a room and hoping that something would work. So uh, I, I agree with you 100% and um, I've been to too many of those events where you're just, you know, it's just a patchwork of, of names and, that, that, you know, I, I don't know, I don't want to be so negative, but the way I see it, Andy, is when I get up to um, introduce the event to the audience that showed up, um, I need to be able to tell the story mm. and it has to be a coherent and cohesive story. So, um, with enterprise UX, we've been very careful, you know, Dave Maloof, Uday Gajandar and I are the, the co-organizers. We are able to get up and say, here are the four themes for the event. And here's why we have these four themes and here's why they're in this order. And we've gotten our speakers and each themes facilitators together months in advance to hear each other. And actually, we have a call later today to, later today to get the uh, the people leading the themes, the four themes, to talk to each other. So there, there, there's so much alignment going on. Uh, it's sort of alignment nested inside of alignment nested inside of alignment to tell a, a, a story. 
about this broad topic. And if you can't do that as a conference organizer, if it's not clear to you why you have these people in such and such an order talking about these topics, then you haven't really curated it. Mm. No, I, thing, go ahead, sorry. No, I was going to say, I, I totally agree. The other thing that we've found is that there's a certain energy level that um, needs to be considered with, uh, you know, the, just the flow of, of the event itself, because conference experiences are intense. I mean, I go to conferences all the time, and I, honestly, I just can't sit through most of the talks because I just can't sit mm. and listen and sit and listen. Uh, and, you know, we're trying to get away from that with Enterprise UX. But even with the first one, what we did was, the way, it's a, it was a two-day single-track event, and um, after the first day, uh, like a lot of conferences, that's when you have the big party, the big reception. Mm. It's a very expensive event. You want people to be happy at that event. You want your, um, your people to have buzz. You want you know to, to be talking about what they learned during the day. But at the end of a really intense day of sessions, of sitting and listening for the most part, that's a, that's a, a tall order. It's hard to ask people to be energized. So we actually, um, I don't mean to put in too strong a plug for Donna Leachow's book, um, but we used a lot of her thinking that's gone into the user's journey where we looked at the story arc, the, the narrative arc, and just sort of the story arc of the event. And we put um, uh, a session at the end of that first day to recharge people. And we changed the whole atmosphere. We served beer and we, we, we handed out popcorn. And it, it, the, the hour at the end of the first day was basically our enterprise UX storytelling sessions uh, that Dan Willis curated. It was, it was eight people giving five-minute stories that were rants or ideas or, uh, or just, you know, some of them were in tears. They were really emotional and they got everyone really engaged and brought the energy level back up so that by the time the attendees got to the party, they were buzzing. They were just so excited. If we didn't have that hour session or we had it at a different time, people would have been exhausted by the time they got to the reception. So that kind of thinking I'm finding is, is very much you know, what UX people do, but we have to do it for the conference as a product, just like we would with any other product. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we do a very similar thing. I mean, you know, I think the energy level um, thing is absolutely right. Um, you know, it's not rocket science, but we always put a big name on early to make sure that people, you know, particularly if we're out of town, that people get to the, the venue on time. So you put a big name early to get people excited to wake them up. Um, and then, uh, you know, you want to put on, again, a, a really sort of um, good, interesting, meaty or entertaining talk just before lunch. So people are buzzing after lunch that so they go away and they're energized and they want to have really, really good conversations. Maybe you put something that's going to divide people's opinion, but you kind of, you try and get people talking. You put another big name or, or entertaining speaker on after lunch that someone's a bit lighter, so it's not as heavy. So because, you know, while people are digesting their food, you know, you're kind of, you're giving them something fun to kind of listen to. And then we tend to like have slightly shorter talks in the afternoon. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, so if people's concentration is a little bit low, that's when we might have some lightning 20 minute talks. We may be, you know, Jeremy's experimented with like doing three 20 minute talks followed by a Q&A and just that kind of mixing it up and that like rapid change in speaker, change in topic kind of like keeps people with it. And so just, yeah, figuring out ways of keeping the energy going, I think is, is really good. I think the other thing is the, particularly you mentioned the kind of the, the after party 
And I, I've been seeing the after party um, uh, kind of sort of change quite a lot over the course of the years. I think at the start when we started running uh, Deconstruct and we were one of the only conferences in town, the conference was as much a social um, uh, experience as it was a conference experience. And people would come for miles around to meet up with friends I hadn't seen for a year. As more and more events happen, um, and as the industry has grown, the community's got bigger and bigger and bigger until it's, in some regards, not really a community anymore. Um, it's a it's a industry. It's a it's a, um, a a career path, and so the desire to like hang out and drink with your buddies, I think, is is kind of um, in, within some conferences, sort of relaxing. Um, and so because of that, you know, I think you know, I'm seeing people putting less effort into the, the, the big party, people, you know, not running parties on the last day because um, folks are going home, maybe organising dinners and, and more casual meetups. I think as people get a little bit older, they want to sit around with groups of friends and have meals rather than go out drinking. And also, from my perspective, as I've got, personally, as I've got older and as I've got, you know, done slightly better in my career, I can afford to pay for a nice beer or a nice glass of wine rather than drink often cheap, you know, um, not very good beer that the the, the event organisers put on. So I think the understanding understanding the differing changes in rhythm and tempo and nature of conferences and trying to accommodate that as well. I mean, and conferences are very different. Like you go to the IA Summit because it's a community of chums. Um, you go to another conference because you're going there to learn and to um, to absorb information and. It's you want to meet new people. You don't necessarily want to go and get drunk and do karaoke with with strangers. So every conference, every event has its own um, needs for for entertainment. And also, you know, there are some some conversations around about kind of you know maybe making uh, events that are too party fuel, too alcoholic in nature might put off certain people from attending, or might encourage um, or promote certain kinds of behaviours which are. Um, unwanted, un unwelcome and, and, and inappropriate. So I think there's a conversation to be had around not only that what happens within the, the conference experience, but making sure that the outside conference experiences are relevant and appropriate to the audience and the nature of the event that you're running. Well, I, I think you make uh, many good points there. Uh, a couple I want to target are the move uh, from community to industry. Mm -hmm. That's very insightful. Um, and very true. I mean, I think a lot of people uh, don't necessarily need to find camaraderie at this one conference they may go to a year because they have it. They have it at work or they have it in their community, their geographic community, where they didn't have it 10 or 20 years ago. You can I mean, find people, you know, at other companies in your town that are doing work like you and you're probably already getting together once a month. I mean, this is it. This is why, you know, 15 years ago I went to the IA Summit because I didn't know many people that, that had the same interests as me. Now Brighton has UX meetups and interaction design meetups and, and kind of meetups of all kinds. And London has very specific IA meetups and, and, and various things. So it's easier for you to find local communities. But also as the industry's grown, you know, it used to be that, you know, in the UK, you like Clear Left are one of the only UX companies out there, whereas now everyone's doing it. Right. And if you work in a moderately sized company, you're going to find expert practitioners inside your own inside your own business. And so there isn't that kind of like 
sense of um, needing to find your place outside of where you work and outside your local geography because it's there now. And I think, weirdly, some of the people that are organising conferences are sometimes forget that, sometimes forget that the industry has moved on and are trying to recreate the sort of heyday of their kind of early conference-going experience when it was um, much more about the social side of things. Um, but the trends I see is it's not about 20-something people finding their community and partying anymore. It's 30- and 40-year-olds with kids and families um, wanting to sit down and have a meal and have a, com a deep conversation. And so I think that's where we're, um, with a lot of our events, that's what we're moving to facilitate more and more, I think. Well, you know, uh, as one of those old folks, 30, 40, well, um, turning 51 <laughs> in a few days. Uh, Congratulations. I will, oh, thank you. Uh, I'm glad I've made it this far. And I, I, <laughs> coming back from the IA Summit, um, it, I'm reminded that we, you know, as we get older, you know, the people who are older in the field, and there's more and more of us, are going to have a, a different type of need. And uh, you're, you're probably too young to realize this yet. Um, you know, I know you're a few <laughs> years younger than I am, at least. There is a need to have um, what I would call uh, events that are among life's metronomes. In other words, okay. you, you have that annual and you see where people are over the last year, see what's changed. Uh, it's a check-in. It's also something of a check-in for yourself. What, what's happened for me over the last year? And what I've seen at uh, certainly at the IA Summit uh, is a lot of change that's been personal. It's not so much about their careers or practices or perspectives. It's more about people um, either taking control of their lives in new ways and, and living their lives in better ways uh, and being great models or, or sometimes struggling. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know if we don't have conferences what we will have to serve as sort of a a communal metronome of life of sorts. So uh, let's not be too quick to um, to put some of these uh, older events uh, uh, on a hiatus and, uh, and and let's remember the old guys like me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, that's one of the things I love about going to the IA Summit. Unfortunately, I don't get to go every year, but I try and go every other year. Um, and it's always great just checking in with people that you know are always going to be there and, and seeing how their life has moved. And you're absolutely right, you know, that, that some people are constantly looking for the new and want to go and find the new next cool event, often kind of chasing this sort of El Dorado conference that doesn't exist. Other people love going back to kind of, you know, tried and tested events. I mean, but, but some, some conferences, you know, outlive their time as well. I mean, there was a time probably for seven, eight years where I would go to South by Southwest religiously. But then slowly my tribe, my crowd moved away and they moved to other events and they dissipated more. And so South by Southwest has taken on a different tone. Um, it's not that place where I gather all of my people together to kind of catch up with them. Now that's probably more like the IA Summit or interactions. Um, I think a lot of people... Um, see de our old Deconstruct conference very much like that. You know, half of the attendees that came to Deconstruct came every single year. Um, uh, I think the same is true of things like UX London. UX London gets a lot of repeat visitors that come back not only to to take the learnings, but to kind of, you know, um, see, catch up with, with people and friends. On the other hand, you know, while I love going to the IA Summit, um, 
you know, I, I, you know, I struggle a little bit with, you know, the karaoke events and the parties. It's, you know, it's really good fun and the people that enjoy it get a huge amount out of it. But I would prefer to go and, you know, have lunches with people like you and Peter Mayerholtz and various other people rather than kind of, you know, um, uh, be karaokeing well into the early hours. That's just not my uh, thing anymore. And, and yeah, you know, it is a sign of me um, you know, changing and getting older, unfortunately. But yeah, that's that's the way it is, I guess. <laughs> Well, I, I never go to karaoke. Just don't don't feel bad. I, I mean, I, I don't go simply because I fear it. I absolutely fear it. I, I'm afraid that I'll find myself on stage with a, a microphone in my hand and and a, a bunch of people staring back at me. I can't think of anything worse. Uh, Andy, thank you for joining me today uh, and uh, for indulging uh, this conversation about events and their design and their 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 reason for existing. Uh, I think we covered everything from the the new ones to the old ones, from the broad ones to the specific ones. Uh, I look forward to attending some of your events in the coming years, and I look forward to seeing you uh, maybe at Interaction uh, next year, which is going to be in New York, if you didn't know, and the IA Summit next year will be in Vancouver. Yeah, I knew about New York. I didn't know about Vancouver, so that's awesome. Um, I've never been to Vancouver. Um, I will be booking my plane ticket very soon, no doubt. You'll love it. And I uh, hope to see you before then. Thanks again, Andy. Cheers, Lou. Bye. Bye-bye.